0: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we've finally got to this Bucks Clippers game. Frank, I feel like we've been talking about this one a lot as we've been eyeing off the schedule. It was clearly the marquee game of early December. And particularly when you look at this stretch all the way back to when Chris Milton got injured, this was the one uh, that we were really eyeing off. The Bucks have managed to... Rattle off thirteen straight wins to get here, and I don't even want to waste any more time talking the rubbish that I usually do. Uh, let's just get straight into it. The Bucks, nineteen and three, first in the East. The Clippers, sixteen and six, second in the West. I want to ask you something right off the top because at the moment the Clippers are ranked sixth in offense, seventh in defense, fourth in net rating. When you look at this team, does the defense or the offense? concern you more because I think you could make an argument for both.
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think offensively the thing you worry about is just the way that they can come at you in waves. You know, the fact that, I mean, we saw Lou Williams and and Montrez Harrell start uh, the last time these teams faced off, but typically those are the guys coming off the bench, which is, is scary. Um, So just the fact that there's really no let up in terms of, they just always have guys on the floor who can create offense and make shots. Um, that, that is very scary. And I guess the argument for the defensive side would be, obviously, you know, we've seen that you can build a defensive scheme that can really slow Giannis down, um, with Kawhi as, as a big part of that. Now, um, the Clippers don't have, uh, you know, the length of Pascal Siakam and the brain and length of, of Sol, who obviously were also important in terms of walling off the paint against Giannis last year in the playoffs. But they do have Paul George, um, who you know. Again, I don't know if you want. I don't know if Paul George is going to defend Giannis one on one very much. Obviously, um, strength wise, there's you know a, an advantage there for Giannis. But um, when you think about just you know the Bucks' two best players being Giannis and Chris, you know Paul George or Yak Jan- or Kawhi can make Chris's life very miserable. And we know Kawhi can at least can at least hold up and, and make it difficult for Giannis to to get driving to the paint. Um, although. I think we should also acknowledge, I mean, a huge part of why the, the Raptors were successful last year is that they pretty much doubled Giannis in the post all the time. And, you know, really, really it was a pitched battle where, um, you know, it was dictated by by the by the Raptors and Kawhi was defending Giannis one-on-one on the perimeter, but um, he obviously had a lot of help. And, and so I think, you know, that's the big question is just how unique and, um, you know, how, how replicable is, is what Nick nurse and the Raptors did last year. And I don't, I don't particularly know if it is very you know, replicatable, but, um, but uh, I don't know. This may be a, an, this is obviously an interesting litmus test. So um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm waffling a little bit. What, what's your take, which, which side do you think is, is scarier? Because certainly on any, on any given night they can beat you with either offense or defense, kind of like the bucks, but um, they're obviously, they do it in different ways.
0: Uh, yeah, listen, it's really tough. I mean, I, I think I'm probably leaning to their offense, and that's not an easy decision to make with this team because they are just so deep and they have so many weapons on, on both ends of the court. But I think I just keep coming back to the fact that, uh, you know, when you just introduce a guy like Paul George into this offense, uh, they just have two of the, the best. That, well, they do. They've got the, the two best uh, offensive weapons on the wing uh, across the league. And it's interesting just looking at the numbers. I was looking at the Clippers' numbers earlier in the season, and they were right down in the bottom 10 for three-point attempts per game. And they had a bunch of guys that weren't shooting it well. Now when you look at the numbers, they're actually getting 32.7 up per game, which has them 16th in the league despite that really slow start. And Paul George is a big part of that. Because when you think about Kawhi Leonard and the way that he likes to play, and then Paul George, now they have... Uh, yeah, obviously, when you have two two players of that caliber, you have a diverse offense. But but Paul George has really changed the way they're able to play. He's shooting a very high volume for three, over 40%. And just adding that weapon with Kawhi as they already got, um, that that is just scary. And this is before you even consider their bench. Now, we spend... A bit of time last week, we were talking about the staggering of the Bucs lineups and, and what do you do with Bledsoe and Middleton and Giannis and how do you work those minutes? The Clippers don't have to worry about that because they have the best bench duo in the league in Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell who play major minutes together. I mean, they're essentially brought on as a duo off the bench and this Clippers team doesn't lose anything offensively. They're not a complete disaster defensively. If you look at the the numbers with them two on the court in the two man lineup. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you look at both ends, but uh, just offensively that you get no rest against this Clippers team. And that is really scary.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, they've got really nice role player options. Uh, I think they can play, many different styles, right? Um, and I think that's that's really the thing that I'm most interested in in terms of this game to see how much insight we get into, you know, playing those different kind of ways um, because I think certainly, uh, you know, we talked about it going into the last Clipper game. We said, man, are they really going to, you know, they were starting with Zubots Zubats at the time. You know, does that, did that make sense um, going, uh, going against the Bucks? Uh, with Rick Lopez and the way he likes to stretch the floor, and they opted not to do that. They opted to start Montrez Harrell. I think it was Harrell and Patterson uh, as the four-five combination in that game, um, which obviously makes them a little bit smaller but more mobile. And certainly with Kawhi, the fact that you know Kawhi can play the four, Kawhi can play the three. You know they can play really big with Paul George and Kawhi at the two-three. They can play you know smaller with you know Harrell as a super energy center with Kawhi and and Paul George at the forward spots Um, you know they they can just do a lot of different things and you know when you just look at kind of the the positional versatility they have obviously George and Kawhi kind of starts with them but um, you know they can just throw a lot of bodies at you and it's just kind of a team that um, you know I guess you could say Lou Williams offensively or defensively you know is a a guy that you would probably try to exploit Um, you know when they're small at least you know there may be some options there um, that you can maybe, you know, if you can get kind of around those great perimeter defenders that there's maybe not, um, you know, necessarily great rim protection if they're going small. But again, I mean, it's, it's all theoretical and, you know, you can't pick, I don't know if you can pick two better wings <laughs> to wall, you know, basically prevent you from even getting driving lanes than, than Kawhi and, and Paul George. So um, it's, yeah, it's a good, it's a good test. I think uh, the thing that we've been missing probably in the season for the Bucks is you know, like the, the quote, the quote-unquote signature win, which, you know, in the NBA, I don't know how important you know that is. It's you know, ultimately the playoff seating is based on record. You know, <laughs> there's no selection committee um, in you know interrogating uh, your your schedule and you know did you beat teams that that you know were impressive enough or whatever it might be. Everybody you know more or less plays the same teams based on your conference. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that's an important game maybe more so important for fans and narratives and just, you know, from an entertainment factor. um, You know, I don't know how much this game is going to matter if these teams meet um, in May and June, just because of how early still is in season and how much things can still change. Um, But obviously we didn't see anything close to a full strength uh, clipper team in LA a few weeks ago. And so certainly it's, you know, this is going to be our only shot really to see what, what uh, something like the, you know, the, uh, the fully operational Death Star uh, Clippers lineup—what what that actually looks like. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it should be a, a fun, fun game to watch. And um, you know, again, uh, this is just a team that uh, nothing would surprise me coming from them, just in terms of how explosive they can be offensively, and obviously um, how good they can be defensively as well.
0: When I look at this lineup, and even Mo Harkless, I don't think Mo Harkless played last time in in that game. So he's come back since. Uh, He's a guy that's shooting a a decent percentage from three. He's not getting up a lot, but he's up around 36%, 37% uh, as a starter. And he's probably going to be the guy that starts uh, against the Bucs. So Landry Shamet is out of this game, and and as is uh, Rodney Magruder. It looks like, other than that, uh, there's nothing else on the injury report. Last time I looked at 8.30 p.m. Uh, from last night and I'm not sure what the Clippers are going to do whether it actually is Zubats that plays a lot uh, anyway and whether he's a guy that they actually even bother matching up on Brook or or they go elsewhere Um, uh, I'm not too sure but I just think when you look at this Clippers team right through one through five there I mean the, the center position is the only one that I'm like okay uh, the Bucs this is some a place where they can really take advantage and you know I, he hasn't had a, a huge start to the season offensively but if I'm Milwaukee if I'm wanting to release some pressure on Giannis and Chris and all these other guys it's going to be the big fella they're looking to
1: yeah I mean like last game Zubats plays 14 minutes um against the the Blazers uh so you know, again, is is, is he going to be a significant factor in this game? Probably not. You know, if, if he starts again, um, I'm I'm guessing it maybe I don't want to say a token start, but um, but he's not a guy that necessarily is going to you know play 30 minutes. Obviously, so they're going to give you different looks. Obviously, Harrell is the guy that, that ultimately they're going to want to get to and, and close the game most likely with. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a fun one. Um, I think uh, you know you mentioned the starting five. Beverly, George, Harkless, Kawhi, um, and and Zubats, which you know is is interesting because it uh, it takes you know basically puts presumably um, Kawhi on on Giannis, and I I mean I think the the interesting thing is you know I've I've always preferred Giannis um, you know defending a guy like Patrick Patterson because you know again you can kind of roam off him a little bit. You have to make sure you don't leave him wide open for threes, but he's obviously not having the ball run through him. And so Giannis can kind of play that free safety role. But uh, you know, if, if, if we're seeing the starting lineup that they've been starting of late, um, then, then there isn't that same, that same option, right. Um, To, to kind of hide Giannis. Now you could maybe put Giannis on um, Mo Harkless for instance um, and, and have him try to help off that maybe a little bit, but I think, you know, I, I just have the feeling if, if you're going to be playing the Clippers in the finals, like at some point, Giannis is probably going to have to defend Kawhi and use that length to, to try to bother him, keep him out of the paint. And look, if, if Kawhi just kills you from mid range, which he can do, right? I mean, we know he's good enough to, to really hurt you from mid range. But um, if, if it comes to it, it I think we're probably going to have to see a lot more on Giannis. Uh, against Kawhi than we saw in the in the East Conference Finals last year, which was very little. Um, and again, the challenge there is going to be they're going to put him in pick and rolls because that's what you do against Giannis. Um, I think we saw Giannis defend Kawhi a little bit in the regular season in Toronto. Remember, I think there was like a, a fourth quarter in Toronto early in the regular season, one of those games where they put Giannis on Kawhi a couple times, and they just put him in high pick and roll, and Giannis, you know, had trouble getting over, and then they kind of went back to to Middleton. Um, but I think. That Pistons game, I think, actually was an interesting game to have right before this, just because Giannis was put in a ton of pick and rolls with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, and he had to go over those screens a lot um, and, you know, try to make it work, right? And so um, very curious to see if, you know, Giannis is indeed matched up with Kawhi, how he manages, um, especially those pick and rolls. Can he stay down? Can he avoid fouling? Um, You know, he's doing a a much better job of avoiding foul trouble of late. Uh, I think we've seen far fewer charges. um, Certainly, it seems like ever since he had that five (laughs) offensive foul game, it seems like he's kind of played with with much better control. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what, you know, what makes part of this matchup so fun that you're actually going to see some of these, you know, the best players on the two teams probably have to defend each other a little bit. Um, And obviously last year, you know, the Bucks had the benefit of, you know, being able to put Chris Middleton as well as Malcolm Brogdon, who did a nice job on Kawhi in that finals, East finals. Um, and problem is now, you, you know, obviously you don't have Brogdon. You're probably going to see Wes Matthews at times who obviously, you know, it's, that's a tough matchup. And, you know, you also have Paul George. You have, to, you have to cover like, you know, it's not Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard or Danny Green and, and Pascal Siakam, who is, you know, very good. But I think Giannis matches up much more easily with Siakam than, than necessarily like a Kawhi. So, um, so yeah, I think the matchups are going to be a lot of fun. And then um, I am certainly hoping we do not see too much of the all bench, (laughs) all bench lineup (laughs) against this group because certainly with Lou and, and Trez um, they, yeah, they can really crush your second unit, just given the way that uh, the way that those guys are able to, you know, play, in the pick and roll and just, you know, the way Lou's able to be a shot maker, um, you know, just kind of creating offense for himself. So, I mean, I mean, he's averaging 21 a game coming off the bench right now, which is, is you know, absurd for, uh, for, for any bench player. Now he's also playing 31 minutes a game. Um, he's playing you know more minutes per game than Chris Middleton and almost as many minutes per game as Giannis right now. Um, so, you know, he's a, he's a six man, but he obviously plays an absolute ton.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a good point you make. I mean, if you want to talk about a token starter, I mean, he's almost, at times, he's played the old Thon Maker role with the bucks in terms of, yeah, you're starting him, but uh, it's kind of just like, whatever, you're you, you're playing that sort of 10 to 15 minutes a game. So uh, a big part of that is because of that Montrez Harold-Lou Williams uh, duo that I already spoke about. And they're just so deadly. I mean, when you look at the numbers for Lou and Montrez to this point, they've already played 563 minutes on the floor together. At this point, with a net rating of plus uh, 8.7, so when them two are on the floor, uh, they are just they're, they're dominating teams, and and that's what you're going to see, uh, particularly if and this is exactly where I come back to those staggering lineups. I mean, the Bucks can't afford to have Lou Williams and Montrez lineups without. Uh, some of the 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 buck stars on the floor because you're just going to get crushed and um and that's why it, this Clippers team all of a sudden has become so uh, difficult to to play because they've got so many options and there's really no let up. But when you look at the Kawhi Leonard uh, Paul George duo to this point, they're playing uh, roughly 24 minutes a game with each other on the floor. When you look at the two le- two man lineup data. And they have a defensive rating of 98. And when you consider the fact that they're playing mostly against starters when they're on the floor together, uh, it gives you an idea of of how dominant they've been. But just something to watch with Kawhi. It's interesting. I mean, he missed three games recently uh, with whatever it is, quad, knee, whatever you want to call it. He missed three games. And since he's come back, he's been really struggling to shoot the ball. He's at a 7-for-20 night. Uh, seven for nineteen night, at eight for twenty-three night, and a three for fifteen uh, night. So not shooting the ball well. And the big thing is he's not getting to the free throw line. And when you think back to the, to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and the way he really hurt the Bucks, he didn't shoot the ball that well there either in the Conference Finals. But he got to the free throw line and knocked down his free throws. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's just so many wrinkles to the to this contest for me to look at and, and try and analyze what I think is going to happen, but uh, it's. The wild thing is, as you already pointed to, uh, these two teams expect that they're going to be in the running to win the title, and it's early December, and this is genuinely a matchup that we could see in June, and we're not going to see these two teams play again. So while the first matchup the stars weren't out, this time we expect that they are going to be, and I, I just it it is it's going to be really fun.
1: Yeah, to to your point about Kawhi not shooting the ball, while well, Giannis has a better three point percentage than Kawhi right now. Giannis has also hit more threes than than Kawhi. I think they're roughly. (laughs) I think Kawhi might have a slight edge in terms of threes per game, Um, but Kawhi is at uh, 31.3%, 1.6 per game. Um, Giannis, I don't. He's he's very close to that, but he's at 31.8%. I think um, in terms of three-point shooting. So um, that part is interesting. The other thing too is, you know, Kawhi has never been a guy who loves. I mean you can give him a little bit of a cushion and he's not always going to just pull the trigger on threes. Sure. So I think that's the other piece about Giannis defending him that maybe makes him a little bit, uh, makes it a little bit more reasonable of a matchup. Um, it's just that, you know, I think if, if you're a guy who has a really quick trigger from three, you know, Giannis is, um, is, is obviously not, not a guy who necessarily is going to just like face guard you and be able to move his feet around the perimeter as well. Like, you know, he, he generally guys can kind of get a step on him, and then he uses that length to kind of catch up, oftentimes on drives. Um, but you know, this is I think obviously a very good test and two two pretty good tests in a row. You know, coming off of having to defend Blake Griffin, who obviously um, can score inside, but has become much more of a guy that starts outside, pump fakes from threes, hits threes, runs pick and roll. You know, I think from a you know just sort of play type profile, you know, Griffin has obviously evolved into looking much more like a perimeter player than, than he used to obviously when he was in LA playing for ironically, of course the Clippers. So, um, so yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, and it definitely an interesting thing to, you know, we won't see the clips obviously up close here um, until hopefully (laughs) the finals, I guess. Um, But uh, it'll be interesting to watch like what, what exactly the deal is with Kawhi's um, you know, health just because he's obviously sat out a, a number of games already so far and it's not, it's not just, you know, purely precautionary or, or it's not just purely load management. It seems to be that he obviously does have some legitimate, um, you know, health issues with that leg and, um, you know, as, as much as he's still putting up great numbers, um, it, you know, it seems like he's not quite the guy that certainly we saw in the playoffs when, of course, he also was carrying some injuries. So, um, so it'll be interesting to watch. And then, of course, you know, Paul George, I think back to that game a couple of years ago in OKC where, or maybe it was last year, West, um, yeah, he went on, off.
0: Before, yeah, you? where yeah.
1: Middleton just like put a hand up on in his like face, and he was just burying threes and in in defenders' grills. and um, I don't know, he's scary when he gets going. I mean, he's become such an electric shooter, um, which I think kind of like snuck up on the league a little bit. Like I don't, I don't think we talk about that enough. That Paul George is just an absolutely elite shooter at this point, and you know, he's definitely a guy that you just you know. We talk about Kawhi maybe maybe you can give a Kawhi a little bit of room and he's not always going to just you know pull up from three right over the top of you Paul George definitely definitely will do that um he's averaging 9.5 threes per game attempted in under 30 minutes per game so and he's at 42 percent from three this year uh so and that's not a fluke he was at almost 10 per game attempted a year ago as well so he is you know I, I forget who said it someone made the comment that like secretly like Paul George has become like Steph Curry as a shooter. Um, and the more you watch him, it's like, man, there's something to that.
0: Absolutely. And, and this is what I keep coming back to with this Clippers team. I remember uh, when this all this chaos went down, it was about one o'clock in the morning central time, I think when all those tweets started to come through that, oh, the Clippers have got Paul George. And even to this point, I don't know whether the disrespect is too harsh a word to use with the way uh, people have looked Paul George, you know, when in comparison to Kawhi, because everyone thinks about the playoffs and what Kawhi did and the fact that he led the Raptors to a a championship. But Paul George last year with the Thunder was right there with Giannis in the MVP conversation. Uh, There was Harden, Giannis and Paul George for a long stretch of time. And and it was Paul George's shoulders that that really took him out of that uh, conversation. I mean, he was playing at such a high level. And this just is not your everyday all-star that the Clippers have have put with Kawhi Leonard. Like this guy when healthy, which he certainly looks healthy. His shoulders certainly look like they're feeling good with the way he's shooting the ball and how many threes he's getting up. Uh, This guy is elite, elite. Like he's, he's not like just a top 25 player. Like this guy is top 10 and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a scary duo. I just don't think, that Paul George, for whatever reason, has got enough, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know credit's the right word, just he hasn't got enough respect for, for how elite he actually is.
1: Yeah, and as much as George shoots tons of threes so far, and again, George obviously missed a, a fair bit of time, um, I mean, the Clippers' shot frequency from three-point range isn't really that high. They're in the bottom third of the league in that regard, so they aren't necessarily—they haven't been like a super high-volume three-point shooting team this year. Um, I think, for the sake of the Bucks, you hope that they're not a super high-volume three-point shooting team <laughs> uh, on Friday night either, just because obviously that's an area where a team like this could probably hurt the Bucks. So, um, so I think that'll be be something interesting to watch. But one of the one of the important things that they do—they are first in the league in offensive rebounding. Obviously, the first guy you think of is, is, is Trez and just his, uh, his hard working and, and his motor um, on the offensive board. So, you know, Bucs have been, you know, right up near the top of the league in terms of defensive rebound rate the last two years. So that's kind of one of those interesting matchups, you know, the uh, unstoppable force versus a movable object. You know, what, what gives there? Can the Bucks effectively minimize those second chances? That's probably going to be important. Um, you know, since that's typically been something that the, the Clippers have definitely um, been able to to feast upon uh, so far early early this season. Yeah, By the man. way, I'm very happy. I'm I, I I will say this as much as you know. I think there's so there's value in, in the Bucks actually having to face Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I'm not going to miss uh, <laughs> Shamm not playing. I'm just having flashbacks to that barrage of threes including <laughs> that one bank three bank that he hit uh in la <laughs> that made that game much closer than uh the bucks probably would have liked it so um at least one guy uh you know we mentioned they don't shoot necessarily tons of threes as a team he's obviously him and george are kind of the obvious guys that are obviously major threats from three don't need a whole lot of invitation to shoot threes and um i guess the other matchup I'm curious, pat beverly versus eric bledsoe that, oh, yeah. that could be kind of a fun matchup pat bev uh, uh, always a uh, uh, one of the, the leading instigators around the league, and uh, um, I'm I, I'm not expecting you know Russ Russell Westbrook, Pat Beverly type fireworks on Friday night, but um, we'll have to see kind of if uh, if he tries to get in Eric Bledsoe's head a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, what I am expecting or maybe hoping for from Eric Bledsoe is that he remembers to inbound the ball this time and doesn't just uh, decide to d- dribble the ball on the floor. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Bledsoe is a guy that that seems to enjoy the challenge. So, yeah, the the Beverly-Bledsoe matchup, when you go right down the list and you finally get to to those two, uh, gives you an idea of, of how deep both these teams are. But before we wrap this up, we don't normally do this, so I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this. But before this game, if you were a betting man and you had to make a pick for this game, Bucks and Clippers... Which way are you leaning?
1: Um, I mean, look, uh, I, I have to pick the Bucks, right? they it's their home home court.
0: Not I one at Um of them.
1: They've they've been the better team overall this season so far. Uh, as much as obviously the the Clippers are, um, you know, haven't been fully healthy. Uh, I think certainly Bucks have had greater continuity. You know, aside from from Chris being out. Uh, for that spell, and obviously they, they were playing at a high level there, so um, I'm not going to act like the Bucks winning tomorrow night gives them some, you know, that that means they're they're now definitely favored over the Clippers in, in a potential finals matchup, um, but uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll say the Bucks. I mean, 13 games in a row, um, obviously it's been a terrific winning streak. They've been playing, you know, as well as any team in the league, and, um, you know, again, they, they maybe they haven't had that signature win quite yet, and you'd love to be able to get it uh against the clippers but clippers also 13 and one at home three and five away um Seems so winning at home <laughs> yeah so so they've played 14 out of 22 at home and, and have certainly feasted at home and been far more vulnerable on the road and again i don't know offhand who they've all played on the road that has led to that but i mean they lost in san antonio the other day which um isn't a necessarily a a, a uh, something anybody should <laughs> should be too pleased with, given the way the Spurs have been playing this year. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, you know, this is locked on Bucks, so you gotta kind of kind of have a little bit a little bit of respect for the Bucks here, given the way they've been playing. So, I'll give the edge to the Bucks, but um, certainly, you know, it's this is one of those games that feels like a lot of it's going to be just you know the, the make or miss league thing, right? Um, and and certainly with the Stars, you hope that Giannis can, can play at the same level that we saw in L. A. And you hope that, obviously, the Bucks are able to, to slow down Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard enough. And so that Lou Williams doesn't necessarily go nuclear. But, you know, again, you just can <laughs> – even if you stop one of these – you know, even if you stop Paul George or Kawhi, um, they've got enough threats, they've got enough weapons, and they obviously have that great defense, um, that versatility that, you know, you can't just take one person away and expect to beat the Clippers. They're, they're just a really solid, well-rounded team. And, um, you know, obviously early in the season – still early in the season for them, too, a bit, you know, just given injuries – and uh, so obviously they've had, they don't have the same continuity going for them that the Bucs have had, you know, we think about last year and this year.
0: All right. Well, I just thought I'd throw that at you. you never know. A little bit of listener outrage is, is, uh, never.
1: Well, are um, you, are you, are you going the other way? What's, what's no, the, you no, asked, I'm no, 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 but,
0: uh, but okay. I'm the, but I'm the good guy in, the, in this, in this podcast. So oh, that's right. I'm sticking that's with right. the Bucs. I, I think that when, I think it's going to be fun. I think my, my biggest fear is, uh, it's not so much like one of the star players going off for the Clippers because I sort of expect like to have that many weapons that one of them is going to have a good night. But it's probably more so, uh, you know, with all the build-up and how much we're looking forward to it, it would be, uh, you know, like early foul trouble for Giannis or something like that. Yeah. That would just put a, a big down on the game. But no, I like the Bucks As you said, I mean, they've just been playing so well. And the one thing I've never been worried about with the Bucs, since um, certainly since Giannis has been playing at the MVP level, he has, and, and Bud came in. Is they get up for big games? Like they they seem to really early enjoy that, and it's uh, I probably get more worried about a loss as we spoke about against some of these poor teams that they've just handled over the last couple of weeks. But yeah, I like the Bucks. I like uh, as I said, as long as Giannis can avoid early fouls, I think that uh, I think that this this should be a, a really entertaining game. And I'm still sticking with my – I don't know why. I've just got this this feeling. Brooke Lopez is just going to – he's finally – the floodgates are going to open. I'm going to say he's going to hit 5-3. So that's my prediction. But uh,
1: – Not not a lot of splash in the mountain so far this year.
0: No, he's going to break out. He's going to do it. He's one game back after the – he had a couple of nights off. The back's feeling good. Uh, I think it's well overdue. We're, we're a quarter of the way through the season without him uh, having one of those crazy games. That Denver game was so early in the season last year. So he – he is, uh, he is definitely overdue. But it's going to be fun. It's not on national TV, which I, I've seen a few people talking about, but uh, I'm pretty sure Marcus and, and Jim will be pretty fired up for this one. So uh, it's going to be good. Frank, me and you will catch up uh, after this one at some point, over the weekend at some point, to, to catch up and, and, and run through everything that happens here. But for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys then.